All right, it's good to have you here. As you're finding a seat, I know that I've got a long ways to go and a short time to get there. Sounds like a song. All right. We're going to jump right into this because this is uh, standard or daylight savings time, and I know that some of you lost an hour, so we're going to we're going to do half of the sermon on the floor, then half the sermon on the platform, then we're going to do communion, then we're going to sing some worship songs again, all in a short amount of time. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come today, and Father, to hear freedom and liberty in our lives, and Father, get the wisdom and knowledge from your word to apply to our lives that make our lives easier. God, take upon us your yoke. It's an easy yoke. It's a, a yoke of freedom. And as we follow you, God, we see that come about in our life. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning, the title of my message is Creating the Opportunity or the Operating Systems in Our Lives. Creating the Operating Systems in Our Life. And we're going to be talking about habits. This morning, I'm going to go real fast over a lot of the stuff because what I'm going to do is for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about this. And a lot of times, the greatest way of learning is repetition. But there's something about just staying on one subject for a short amount of time and then repeating it and repeating. How many remember nine times nine when you were growing up learning your skills? You know, you, you immediately now know it, but they went over and over. Did anybody have flashcards beside me? <clears throat> My mother, every night. Did I say it? Every night, flashcards. So we're going to not have flashcards, but we're going to go over the next few weeks because this is very practical can I say it again? Very practical ways of learning things that are going to help you in your life. Growing up, and again, walking in the light of what we knew, you know, a lot of times a pastor would go, just, just, just read your Bible and pray. And, and someone would say, well, what do I need to pray about? You know, what, what can you give me direction? Uh, just, just pray, you know, and read your Bible. It's kind of like eating an elephant. They didn't tell us where to pray and where to read our Bible. And this morning, I'm going to give us some practical tips to apply to our lives. We're going to be talking about habits. <clears throat> habits are very important. How many people would say that they crave God just to be with God? Now, now listen, when you're in church, everybody's, you know, supposed to raise your hand. You know, you go, yeah. But the truth of the matter is, if we're not careful, we allow things to slip into our lives and we become busy and we go, yeah, I'm going to get to that and then I'm going to get to it and I'm going to get to it and then right before bed, I'm going to get to it. <sighs> Sleeping. I'm craving just being in God's presence. Now listen to this. Does this apply to you? Uh, Psalms 27 verse 8 says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. That, that's a great passage. Does it apply to you? Yeah. I mean, say another one. Second Chronicles 7, 14. It says, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek, crave, and require of necessity my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal the land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attended to prayers offered in this place. Now when you hear that, sometimes we go, If you would just pray! You would just seek his face. And something about that can, not always, 
that can bring a, 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 a ability on a person to go, I need to do that more, but I'm just not doing it. Another one, Mark chapter 6, verse 33. But first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing things and being right, the attitude and character of God. And all these things will be given to you also. How many people have heard that of the King James? Seek you first the kingdom of God. Okay. All those three verses talking about craving the presence of God and seeking him first in our lives. But if we're honest, we say to ourselves, why are we not doing that? Let me ask you this, because I know as a pastor, if I go up to somebody, I, I don't care where I'm at, if I'm at Chili's, uh, Cheddar's, and I'm eating, and somebody comes in and they're crying, or they're just there, and I talk to them, and I go, can I, can I pray with you about something? The three most familiar prayer requests are, number one, can you pray for me about healing in my body, or grandmother's sick, or something, everybody know that? The second one is usually my finances. I can't pay my bills, and, and, and a lot of Christians start doing the backpedal on that. Well, you know, I'll pray when I get home, but if I stay here, I might want to give you some money. And the third one is our relationships. Pray for me. You know, would you pray uh, my, my, my wife, you know, my husband, whatever, my mother, my boss, relationships, even including our relationship with God. Can you pray with me that I get close to God? Everybody with me? Three, prayer requests. Do we believe, come on, do we believe as Christians that God can help us in those three areas? Yeah. It feels good to respond. Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Okay. If we believe that and we're praying for you know, those things to come in our life, let, let me go a little bit deeper. Do you realize that you're praying and praying with people about prosperity coming in their life? Oh, Pastor, there's a buzzword that I don't know if I agree with that, prosperity. So what do you believe Come on. The alternative is that we don't pray for those things because we really don't believe that God worked in that area in our life. Prosperity is wholeness in every area of our life. So if you need to use another word, pray for the goodness of God. I don't care what, but listen, as we are praying and believing for God to do something in our lives and the people's lives around us, but at the same time, we've got to say, if we believe that God can do those things in our life, in other people's lives, bring wholeness in those areas of our life, why are we not working on those areas of our life? So then in creating systems and habits to work on everything in our life that we believe God can help us with, we're not always in an area of miracles. Do you know what I'm saying? God can work miracles. He's the miracle worker. I can get you shouting on that because I can get excited. But if we're always saying, God, I didn't do, you know, I spent all my money and I don't even have food. I need a miracle. Everybody knows. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You didn't need that new pair of Nikes to go with the other 10 pairs. There has to be some more common sense as we walk as Christian, and Christian is a small Christ, you know, we're followers of Christ. So this morning as we're talking about habits, and then we're going to get into one of the, the uh, most subtle tools and weapons that the enemy uses against us. We're going to apply that in, in this week, just looking at our habits, how to combat that coming into our lives. This is what I want us to know, and, and I'm going to hand this out, but I would like you to 
just kind of play a game with me. There, there isn't going to be a test. There won't be a test. But what if at the end of this message, all of us would go to a group of people and have to preach my sermon over? Okay. Because we're going to do this pretty quick, and then I'll get into the message. But I want you to understand these things about the habits that go on in our life. We know that habits are a solution to a state change. Everybody, if you admit it or not, it's true that we all want to be happy. And as soon as we come up with a problem, our brain goes to work to try to figure out how to be happy in that situation. It's constant. Every time a new problem comes up in your life, you're trying out new things to bring a better solution. Until you find one that has the right things going together at the right time, and then all of a sudden, boom, there it is. I have this creator. The word of God is summed up. The entire law of prophets are summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All right, you're dismissed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> The next part in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There, there is freedom in walking as the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of who you are, begins to show itself. Again, let me just kind of give you some facts, and then we're going to go on. Habits are very little things, but they are extremely important in our life, and especially as Christians. We're trying to go from people in, in, in the kingdom of God, uh, let me say it this way, there, there's, and I've said it so many times, there, there's people that feel like they've been in the church world, and they come to church, and they hear the word of God, and, and they've been in the church for 10 years. And somehow we think that we have 10 years of maturity working in our life, but really we've only got one year, 10 years in a row. And when another level, another uh, obstacle that is greater than the things that we can handle just a one-year experience comes our way, a lot of people will begin to shake. I mean, I mean it can be a divorce. It can be, it can be financial uh, bankruptcy, and, and these are big things that it is, it is imperative that we go deeper and understand how the Word of God works in our life. Now, now some of you uh, experienced your first love, remember, and maybe it didn't work out. All right, life's over. I'm done. All those problems from young ages, you know, young to maybe not so young age anymore, uh, illness coming into your life or family? How do you handle those things? And habits are just a little thing that, that keeps going over, over, over in our life. So let me say this. At this moment in your life, it's more important not to be concerned so much about your current results as your current trajectory. In other words, just continually growing in God. Sometimes we say, I don't feel it right now. And so I'm going to give it up. But it's the little things that you do on a daily basis that are surprisingly powerful working in your life. 
And the people that do it, and, and over and over and over and over and over and over again, and they see the fruit of the Spirit begin to be evident in their life, and people go, what's the one thing that you did to get you to that place that you could handle that? I did the right thing over and over and over and over and over again. Do you know that it's even, it, we talked about this years ago in the staff meetings, of, of just, it's almost like it's a big gear. You know, if you can see a big flywheel and somebody's, they're just doing the right thing every day, just pulling on it, pulling on it, and finally it begins to move until they keep pulling on it and it begins to around and around. And people go, what's the one tug? It was all of it. So this morning, the little habits. Now, now let me say this. It has compound interest. The little things over and over. So forget about setting goals. And as we talked about in a couple last couple of weeks before our guest speaker last week, we talked about focusing on the systems of what we're doing, not on what we want to achieve. What is it? The systems every day. Some of you get up, you you have a system. You might maybe go to the restroom. Maybe you go in and start the coffee pot. You have a system. Then you whatever. You brush your teeth. You get in the shower. You shave and maybe, who knows, all the system of getting ready in the morning. You have a habit. You have a system. It's though not on what you want to achieve, but this morning I want you to see, as we said a couple weeks ago, it's who you want to be, your identity. And so then you take it from that standpoint of an identity which we know as Christians, and we talked about this, I'm just reminding you that the most important thing that you can do when you come to know Christ is know what he, who he says he is, what he says about himself, not what somebody else. And in a nutshell, we went through that whole series is, is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. Number two is the most important thing you can do as a believer is find out what he says about you and who you are in your identity. And you are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation that those that are in Christ Jesus. There's a freedom that comes with the believer. And a lot of times we don't walk in freedom because we're just unaware of that. We've been either deceived or we, we totally do not know. We have never been told of what Jesus did for us at the cross. It's something that you did not do on your own or can do. It's totally by the grace of God that you are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let me talk about a few more things. And we'll get into building habits and then, then we'll go. It is important as you're building your habits to realize how you're building. I know I'm going to hand this out to you so you can see it again and be reminded. In building them, it is important for the environment that you are building them in that helps you. Have you do you remember mom saying, "Don't hang around those kids because you'll be acting with those kids in life." And some of us said, "No, we're not. No, we won't." And it wasn't long until we're doing exactly what we didn't want to do. So it's important, again, to be around people 
shooting for the same thing in their life. That's why it's important to come to church. Pastor, I don't think you need to go to church to go to heaven. Well, amen, brother and sister, but it's a lot easier. It's easy to be a part, easier to be a part of small groups where you're discussing and learning things together. Well, I don't know. How, how many people realize it's easier, and they said that it is extremely more productive to be fitness or part of fitness if you are a part of a group that you're doing it together, or at least an accountability person that's like a buddy that's maybe jogging with you or something like that. Uh, I know every time I get into fitness, everybody's like, oh, no, no, no. No spiritual in that, so let's get off with the fitness. The health wise, we got God for that. We'll just pray for a miracle. <laughs> don't be talking about cream vegetables. You know, I hate that. You know. I don't like cancer, but you know, that could, you know, come on now. There, there's something that you need as practical as a believer that God says, give me something to work with here. As you can tell, I've been preaching this to myself all week, so I'm pretty fired up. When you are in a time period when you're learning something, that's why school was so important. All the people in the classroom was learning the same thing. If you've ever tried to learn a book and you were part of a book club and everybody's reading and discussing, you want, I don't read a book, but you get in a book club and they're going to be asking you questions this week and all of a sudden there's a little, yeah, let's do it. So environment is important. Now, let me talk about this. Your lagging measures of where you are right now will show you your habits to this point. Again, don't be concerned about your current results except to bringing you uh, to a better trajectory. Let me, let me explain lagging measures. Your net worth is a lagging measure of your financial habits. Everybody with me on that? Your weight is a lagging measure of your eating habits. Your knowledge is a lagging measure of your learning habits, and your clutter around the house is a lagging measure of your cleaning habits. You ever said, hey, do you want to ride with me? And they look in your car and go, do you want me to sit on the trunk? Because there's nothing, no room inside. It's like there's enough McDonald's glasses for all of them. They're lagging measures. You get what you repeat. So, so real quickly, this is what I want you to just hear with your ears. And then when you get a handout, you'll take home. And I want you to meditate on the subject that we're going to talk about in a few minutes about your habits. When you create and when you have a habit, there, there's four behaviors. There's a cue, a craving, a response, and then a reward. Let me, let me explain that to you. Again, we're moving things even from the subconscious to the conscious. There's a system, an operating system that is working sometimes in your subconscious that until you bring it to the conscious where you actually are aware of it, hear me, you're going to allow things to happen in your life and then you just call them fate. Here's another way spiritually I usually say it. You can either act on life, or you can let life act on you. 
It's like riding an elephant, you know, when you say, I'm going to go straight, and the elephant says, I'm going left. That's your subconscious. And you go, yeah, 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 I wanted to go left. There's things that fire in our brain that I want you to become aware of in the next weeks. Let me, let me give you an idea. You, you walk into a dark room. You have a craving for what? Light. And watch how easy this is. Very little habits that sometimes we're not even aware of. You have a craving for light to see. The cue, when you walk into the dark room, you go, I can't see. So the response is you turn on the light and the reward is you can see. This isn't hard. And when we get into talking about things of being an overcomer in this world, if you realize some of the things that we've allowed to come into our lives and we're reaping the benefit of those or the negative benefit of it, as believers, we can say very practically, we've got to stop allowing that thing to fire in our brain, that subconscious, that cue that keeps firing. You realize that when you get home at night, you don't have a craving to turn on the TV. You have a craving to be entertained, so you flip the switch. That's the response and reward. People that have a, a negative habit of, of, let's say, smoking, they don't have a craving to put a cigarette in their mouth. They have the craving of the nicotine when they'll see where something fires in the brain. It's the same thing with alcohol. It's the same thing with shopping. It's the same thing with eating. You, you get the cue, the craving, response, reward. Now, now watch this. We're about done. You can go, amen. We're going to get into the subject. How to create a good habit is, number one, that you make it obvious. Number two is you make it attractive. Number three, you make it easy. And number four, you make it satisfying. Well, let me, let me say this. Let me show you how easy this is. We know that uh, depression usually happens in a, in a Christian's life when they forget being thankful. There's sometimes that people don't even say what they're thankful for except one day a year. And when is that? Thanksgiving. Pastor, are we supposed to do that on Thanksgiving? Maybe so. Maybe you didn't do it on Thanksgiving. What if you created a habit? Again, we're, we're, we're looking for that fruit in our life. That's a state change. That's a, yeah, I want that. What if you created a habit? And again, so many times that when you call out a time and a place, it's easier to create that. So every time that I pray over my food, hopefully you're praying over If you're not, pray over your food. Thank you, God. But before I pray over my food and before I eat, that's a time, I'm going to say one thing that I'm Oh, Pastor, you got me doing everything. Is it too hard for anybody? <laughs> now, this morning, before we take the Lord's Supper and before we have worship and sing and confess out of our mouth the words of the Psalms, I want to talk about a subject 
and the subject is shame. It's the most underrated weapon of the enemy. Now, you're not in week 14 of the series. You're still in the week of habits because we're going to be talking about overcoming shame by creating new habits that run as an operating system in our, in our brain. We know that as we come to know Christ, as Romans chapter 12 says, be transformed by the renewing of your minds that you might know God's good, perfect, and pleasing will. Sometimes, again, working on the Christian with one year experience, two years in a row, they say, I already did that. No. <laughs> no. You're constantly renewing your mind because we live in a broken world. And to walk in love, can we all agree, that is not as easy as it sounds. Especially on I-35 with all that construction. Can you tell me why they're still going to construct? Huh? Most righteous guy can get off too. It takes, it takes some habits to create in your life. Do you know that the last time that I preached a couple weeks ago, you remember how I talked about walking in love? And boy, every time you get a word from God, a test will come up and say, do you really believe that? I get on I-35 and just out here going south because I live, and, and I've got a truck because I'm a man. <laughs> so I'm getting on I-35 and now they've got it where it's about six feet wide, you know, and your truck's like five foot 11. So you got to kind of, you're feeling like you're getting skinny as you're getting on the highway. And the entrance ramp is like four feet. I just preach, we've had a good service, and boy, I get up to highway speed, and I get on that, and I nearly ran over this little small car full of men. I don't know what they were doing in that little car altogether. <laughs> Maybe they were going to circus. I don't know. But boy, did they tell me in no uncertain terms that I was number one in the land. <laughs> <laughs> and not only did they do it for a few honk, honk, honks, but it was honk, 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 honk. You are stupid. You're an idiot. You know, you, put it, you, you hear that, right? So, of course, I just was singing, shout to the Lord, I'm a pastor. I realized there was something running in my subconscious that came into the conscience. And, of course, Gwen and I can't ride in one car. We have to have two vehicles. It's no fun when your wife is behind you, acting as the Holy Spirit, as she sees all this happening. Feel it. Let me remind you, as we're talking about creating good habits in our life, it's going to bring a good result. You have a belief system 
and we're all from different backgrounds, been raised by different people, uh, we've been in different churches, but your belief system will dictate what choices you're going to make. And out of those choices, there'll be experiences that you put into. I want to give you what God says about the weapons that the enemy has built to destroy you. In Isaiah 54, it says, but in this coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. Every voice raised up to accuse you, you're going to be able to destroy. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Anybody a servant of the Lord here? That's me. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now listen, the weapon of shame that comes upon us is a weapon used by the enemy. And God says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. All those that rise up against you shall fall. But how many of us have felt <coughs> that that weapon is pretty hard against us? And, and you experience the consequences of shame in your life. Now, now stick with me on this because this is very important. And I hope they, I hope they have the definition, but if they don't, listen to this. Shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Let me say it in another way. Something that we've experienced, but watch this, belief system, choice, experience. Something that we've experienced, done, or failed to do that makes us unworthy of love, of connection. Now, all of us that have shame in our life, the solution, the state changed of shame is the liberty that love will bring. Now, I know that this sounds like it's complicated, but God is love. And as we have experienced shame in our life, we're going to talk about it a little bit more. I want you to realize that today is the beginning of a new day for you. Again, shame is the weapon that the enemy can use against us as Christians. And listen, it, it comes into a person's lives, in, into their lives, and it, it melts kind of their, their the lenses that they see out of. And all of a sudden, it, it begins to hold them captive to the point that they it dictates the decisions that they're going to make. Now, let me ask you a question. If, if you feel like in your subconscious, the shame could be speaking to you, ask yourself these questions as I ask them. You, you answer them just, just where you are. When you make a mistake... Do you find yourself defending your behavior? <clears throat> Maybe minimizing the impact? Maybe anxiously scrambling around whatever it takes to, to make the embarrassment go away? These are very important. Have you ever felt like this? That everyone is against you? You're not good as other people are? 
How about this one? No matter how hard you try, you can't do anything right. Have you ever heard the little voice that speaks to you, you don't fit in and nobody likes you? Or how about, how could God love you? Come on. He really knows you and everything about you. This morning, if you've answered any of those questions, yes. The high likelihood that shame is trying to speak to you. Now, there's a difference between conviction, because conviction can be said it's from God. But shame is from Satan. Let me explain. Conviction is like when Adam and Eve fell in the garden. They realized, just like you and I, when we come under the conviction, we feel and we realize something is wrong. It's like the, the lights on the dashboard, you know, blinking. This morning, a lot of us don't realize that in the difference between conviction, it's something that we've done that we can repent. In other words, we can turn from and be forgiven. But shame is totally different. Shame speaks to who you are. I believe shame is a spirit that tries to attach itself to us. Now listen, shame is a core belief, even if it's subconscious, that the belief that you're unworthy. Now think about it. If, if shame speaks that you're unworthy, it says stuff like you're wrong, you're bad, you're not good enough. And here's the thing is with shame, it gets to the point of saying you're not perfect. And there, there's people, Christians, who go, I'm not good enough. And they begin to do things. It always seduces its prey to come on, come on, come on, come on. Perfectionists. Just, you got to be perfect. You always have to do more to prove that you're okay. There's no more, there's nothing you can do. But, but again, shame is trying with pride just to get you go, come on, come on. You can do more to be successful. You can be you can do more to be thinner, smarter, wealthier, more accomplished, more good at business. Let me tell you, there is nothing that you can do because shame is has an endless requests of trying to get you to just come on, come on, be perfect, be a little bit better. But this morning I want you to see this. When that is running over and over in your mind and shame is speaking to your identity as a loser or a failure or a not good enough person, that will dictate your behavior. That's the subconscious or even it's the conscious that will tell you you have no right to have connection and love with other people. And pretty soon, you'll find out, I can't walk in love with people. I don't even want people. And you don't even know why. Because of the habitual thought pattern of going over and over in your mind. I'm just not going to be Ephesians 2.10 says, 
that we are his masterpieces, that he's already predestined us to do good works before the foundation of the earth. Do you realize that if we're his masterpieces, or another translation says treasures, but we see ourselves as just broken people, unfixable, how much damage they can do running over and over and over in your life? I would like our ushers, if you would, to pass out those handouts. Because I want to end with this passage in John chapter 8. It says this, the religious scholars, now these are guys that had it together. They had the knowledge, they just didn't have the submission to God. The religious scholars and Pharisees led in a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Now, don't you wonder, where was the guy? So, she didn't do it by herself. Okay, but anyway, they stood her in plain sight of everyone and said, Teacher, this woman is caught red-handed in the act of adultery. Moses of the law gives orders to stone the person. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something incriminating so they could bring charges against him. Now listen to this. Because this is what, again, love does in the middle of shame. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger in the dirt, and they kept after him, badgering him. He straightened up and said... The sinless one among you go first. Throw the stone. Bending down again, he wrote some more in the dirt. I was wondering, this is just me, John Miller. Don't everybody say, yeah, I remember where it says, this isn't in the Bible, this is John Miller. I kind of wonder what he was writing in the dirt. Was it all the sins that those people standing there had done? Just food for thought. In verse 9 it says, hearing that... After hearing that, they begin to walk away one after another, beginning with the oldest. How many know the older that you get, the more that you realize you don't know as much as you thought you did when you had, you know, 18 years behind you? When you wore a younger man's clothes, huh? And all of a sudden, these older people started, and they led first all the way to the youngest. The woman was all alone, and Jim stood up and spoke to her. Now, now listen, I don't want you to hear this. I know there's distractions of handing out papers and looking at the paper, and i got to look at it right now. i got to do it right now, right now. But just give me a minute, because we're about done. She's about ready to be killed, executed. She experiences shame because she's brought in front of everybody. Nobody here is been on trial for execution because of something you've done. Chances are. But listen, this is where this lady is and she's experiencing shame and now look, he says, he spoke to her, woman, where are your accusers? Do no one condemn you? And she says, no one, master. And he says, neither do I, Jesus said, go on your way from now on and don't sin. He did not say to the people, she did not sin. Realize what I'm saying here today is not just grace. Just go, sin, do whatever you want. No, God says don't sin. But in his grace, he says, you are forgiven. Allow that shame off of you. Again. Now let's go back. Shame is removed through what? 
love. Now that you know the answer. Shame is removed through love. A lot of people can't experience the love because they're so far in shame that they say something that I did or something that I should have done, I don't deserve love. This morning I'm speaking to you. When we talk about prosperity and wholeness in our life, we have to start changing our belief system about shame in our life. When we talk about your identity and creating a new habit, you are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Pastor, I don't feel As you begin to listen, next couple weeks, we're going to give you things to put in front of your eye gate, things that go in your eyes, you know, that you look at, and things that you go into your ear gate that you're listening to. Things to create habits. Maybe things that you thought, I don't believe in confessions. Do it. When you start Quoting the Bible over your life, I don't, I don't know about that, Pastor. Give it a year, it'll change your life. We confess over things that we don't even realize are confessions. I've been trying to catch a cold all week. <laughs> don't let it catch you. <laughs> Next week, we're going to talk about shame shame that attacks your identity and your destiny. Again, listen. Something we've experienced, done, or felt to do makes us unworthy of love. Do you realize that we do a habit here every month? Every, every month we do this. It's called the Lord's Supper. And the reason we do it isn't because we're hungry for a little juice or a little cracker. <laughs> the early church would probably, what in the world is that? <laughs> but, but, but what we do is we do it habitually because Jesus told us to for a purpose. What is the purpose? That we are reminded of what Jesus did on the cross for us. So this morning... We're going to take the Lord's Supper. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. You are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. This morning, before we begin to worship and take the Lord's Supper, I'm going to, I want you to do something for me this week. When you get up in the morning and, and you have some time to yourself, and, and I hope it's not just on the way to work, but sometime in the morning, meditate on in righteousness in Christ Jesus. Maybe even speak that out of your mouth so you can hear yourself saying it. You know, if it's the first time you ever do something like this, it kind of feels kind of crazy. It kind of, sometimes even maybe you might think it's a little spooky, but let me tell you, it's not. You're okay. You're going to 
going to be okay. But before you get into the office, school, around other people, that you have time to say, God, I want to spend some time with you. I want Lisa to sing this song one time and then we're going to stand and take the Lord's Supper together. Would you allow confession of this song? What you're doing is you're singing, but hopefully you can hear yourself sing these words, I speak Jesus. Pastor, i got a rough week ahead. I speak Jesus. I've had a past that's terrible that I speak Jesus because he's the answer. Amen.